It doesn't say merely that all things work together for good. It says God causes all things to work together for good. It doesn't say almost everything. It says all things. And it doesn't say all things work together for good for everybody. Oh no, it doesn't say for everybody. It's for those who love God. It begins and ends with God. The comfort that we take in this text, it begins and ends with God. That's why I say we know Him. It's a personal knowledge that we have of one who personally knows us. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue our study of the book of Romans. and Pastor Scott brings a message titled, God's Unshakable Purpose. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. We do find ourselves in situations that we just can't understand. And when we search for explanations, God says, this is my plan. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love Him, to those who are called according to His purposes. Our lives are filled with disappointments, and sometimes we lose the loved ones that uh, we love so dear. Our lives are often torn and troubled, and our hearts would fail because of fear. But we can rest in this assurance And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love Him, to those who are called according to His purpose. We've come, and I want you to take your Bible and turn to Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 28 through 30. God's unshakable purpose. One of the greatest statements in all of Scripture. I often uh, think of the book of Romans as the kind of the crowning gem of the Scripture. And it seems as if when you get to verse 28 and following, you're at the summit. R.A. Torrey, Bible teacher of about a century ago, said, Romans 8.28 is a soft pillow for a tired heart. And it really is. It's the truth of God. And millions of Christians have found and right now find comfort, great comfort in God through this great statement about Him. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. And whom He predestined, these He also called. And whom He called, these He also justified. And whom He justified, these He also glorified. Now, uh, there's a sense in which we want to see that whole text. In fact, 
I'd love to take verse 28 and just stay with it till we got to verse 39. But uh, there's another sense in which the longer you look at each phrase, sometimes each word in this text, the more precious it becomes. And I don't uh, typically throw that word around, but that's about the only one I can think of when I say precious, when I think of what this truth really means. And so I want us to mull it over the longer you think on it. The more you mull it over, the longer you just walk in life, the more precious this truth becomes. And so we want to uh, really look at it. Now, remember the context. God has told us we have unimaginable wealth. We are fellow heirs with Christ. We have it all. But that doesn't mean... And he's told us in this chapter, and if you want to kind of follow with me, uh, I'm quoting when I talk about the wealth we have, verse 17, that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. But none of that means that we won't have any suffering uh, right here and now. In fact, he says the Spirit tells us that suffering is a very real part of being His children. Present suffering, although it's not worth comparing to the glory that's to be revealed to us. And we've been looking at that suffering in verses 19, really verses 18, I suppose, down through uh, verse 27. And we're groaning today. We're awaiting that future glory. And we saw and we closed off uh, last time by enjoying the truth that the Holy Spirit Himself helps our weakness. Because we don't even know how to pray as we should. But He intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. His prayer for me and you, His purpose, Christian, for us, is in line with what we're groaning for. He is going to get us to that day of future glory. And in the meantime, He's praying for us. And so we have an absolutely certain hope. God is going to finish what He started. God's purposes will not be thwarted. And His purpose, we're going to see here in a minute, is personal and it's for me and you. That purpose will not be thwarted. We have a hope and a hope that does not disappoint. We have a hope, as He says over in Hebrews, that's an anchor of the soul. A hope both sure and steadfast. Uh, Our hope is in God. And verse 28 and following, but I would say 28 through 30, give the unshakable foundation for that hope. How can we say our hope is certain? How can we say our hope is like an anchor of the soul? And in fact, we instinctively nod, we who know Christ. Well, he explains, he explains some truth here that is the unshakable foundation, you might say, for our unshakable hope. And I want us to just mull it over. Look at verse 28. We know God has spoken. We can know. Now, we live in an age of skepticism, agnosticism. You can't really know anything. (laughs) Oh, yes, you can. 
We can know, oh, this is great contrast to what you're going to see tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday around you. We live in a day when nobody thinks you can know anything, but we Christians, we have found out we can know for certain. I mean the whole basis of science, knowledge, is the knowability of truth. Now, we've forgotten that for the last century or so. But God built a universe where you can know some things. And God didn't design us to live in kind of the ether of never knowing anything. We know. And look at it. We know not just some facts and figures and data. We know God. We know God personally. That's a tremendous thing to stop and just ponder a bit. We know Him. We say what? Abba, Father to Him. I mean, don't tear this text out of context. Let Romans 8 just kind of bathe your soul. In fact, read it all the time while we're in it particularly. But I mean, go back to this like a homing pigeon. You know, this chapter is like home base. But we can say, Abba, Father. Why is that? We don't have to say, Almighty God, we comest to Thou. No. I'm not ridiculing that the one who feels that's the reverent way. There's times when we ought to say, Almighty God. But we can say, Abba, Father. We can come right in. We know Him. And we know that He causes all things to work together for good to those who love Him. I mean, we've got the spirit of adoption. We don't have a spirit of slavery again. We're heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. And so we ought to just mull this over when we get to verse 28 and enjoy it. We know God who causes all things. We know the God of the universe. We know the one and only true God. We do know the Almighty God. We know God, capital G. We don't know a God that can't do what He wants. We know a God who's in the heavens and does whatever He pleases. Aren't you glad that's the God you know? Not some God of your imagination, the God who has revealed Himself. Oh, the nations may say, where's your God? That's the 115th Psalm, you know. In those days, they taunted believers. <laughs> you ever have that today? It still goes on, doesn't it? Where's your God if your God is so big? Listen, our God is in heaven. He rules over the universe. And the psalmist says, our God is in the heavens. He does whatever He pleases. He's the sovereign God. And He is able to cause all things, to cause all things to work together for good to those who love Him. He providentially sees to it that everything in your life, Christian, is working together for your good. You say, well, how can that be? Well, we will never fully understand it this side of glory. But it's the great truth that the believer lays hold of by faith. We know God. We don't know everything, uh, but He's told us everything we need to know. And knowing Him... That's why the Scripture says those who know their God, the people who know their God, will display strength and take action. That's why Paul's heart, he said, I just want to know Christ and to make Him known. The best thing we can do is to get to know God and realize 
how thoroughly in charge of things he really is. And you won't find a better statement of it than what I just read. I mean, that's why I say we won't finish it, that's for sure, because every phrase, every word places is worth pondering and mulling over and letting us, you know, absorbing it so that we can really see who our God is. He is God. Now, don't... uh don't misunderstand this verse. Let me give you three things and look at the verse with me. It doesn't say merely that all things work together for good. It says God causes all things to work together for good. It doesn't say almost everything. It says all things. And it doesn't say all things work together for good for everybody. Oh, no. Doesn't say for everybody. It's for those who love God. Now, I want us to uh, ponder these things and let them unfold for us because it's crucial that we see what he's saying and what he's not saying. And I think sometimes even Christians uh, just uh, don't realize what he's really saying. Now, notice, first of all, it is not merely all things work together for good. Sometimes that's how we quote it. But uh, it's not that, it's God causes all things to work together for good. It begins and ends with God. The comfort that we take in this text, it begins and ends with God. That's why I say, we know Him. It's a personal knowledge that we have of one who personally knows us. And so it isn't just the way things work. It isn't just you know, a vague Truth, it's personal truth of a personal God that we're talking about here. We know that God causes all things. We're not talking about fatalism. We're not talking about a, a vague kind of chance in life. People say, well, it's just the way the roll of the dice kind of comes down, I guess. Oh, no. No, we know God. He's in charge of all things. He's the sovereign. He causes all things to work together for good to those who love Him. Remember that. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, the psalmist said, doesn't that speak of how we are? Your anxious thoughts multiply within you. The psalmist said, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me, thy consolations delight my soul. Think about who we're talking about. Thy consolations... Knowing you, what you're like, it delights my soul. And that anxious anxiety that just multiplies within dissipates, the psalmist said. Next time anxiety is breeding anxiety and your anxious thoughts are multiplying within you, maybe right now, maybe the last week, that's all that's happened, it seems, in your life. Thy consolations delight my soul. I don't care what circumstance you're in, if you will go back to God and remember who He is. Uh, he'll start to melt that anxiety because that's who he is. He is God. We're not talking about a mechanistic kind of that, well, things just work out in life. It'll all work out. No, we're not talking about just fate. We're talking about God, a personal God, the Lord your God. I've been in Deuteronomy in my devotional time recently. Time after time, he says, the Lord your God. Can you say the Lord my God? God. See, we're not just talking about God vaguely. We're talking about the Lord, Yahweh, 
the Lord our God. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. That's who we mean when we say God causes all things to work together. And then secondly, notice it isn't almost everything. It's all things. God is able to use even suffering. I mean, isn't that what he's just been talking about? Verse 18, I consider, Paul said, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's to be revealed to us. He can use suffering, and he does use suffering. The Scripture gives consistent testimony. He can use our weakness. Isn't that what he just talked about? The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. When we don't know how to pray as we should, the Spirit helps our weakness, verse 26. And you know, the word he uses there is a word that's often translated sickness. I mean, our frailty, our inability, we talked about it last week. I mean, you look on every front and we've got weakness, whether it be physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, we are weak, but he is strong. And he is able to use even our weaknesses for good. Our sorrows, our illnesses, our heartbreaks, our financial reversals, everything. All things, discouraging circumstances, He causes to work together for good to those who love Him. Sometimes He works in such a way that He saves us from uh, tragedy. Sometimes He brings us right through tragedy. Now, the Bible, you know, the Bible... Uh, Everything that was written was written for our instruction, the Scripture says. He's going to say that later in Romans. Uh, so the Bible is full of illustration. Turn back to Daniel 3. And I think it's good to just let Romans 8.28 be illustrated, you might say. And uh, you remember these three friends of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They, they had, and they demonstrate for us, a Romans 8.28 kind of faith. And I think sometimes just seeing it in others helps us understand. You know how that works in your life? You meet some Christian who you see the character of Christ in them. You see godly truth fleshed out in their life, and it encourages you. Well, the same, that's why he wrote these things down for us. These guys, you remember, were ordered to bow down to a false god, a golden image that the king of the world, it seemed, Nebuchadnezzar, this great world dictator, had set up. And I'll just pick it up because every every uh, detail, you will read verse 12. They came and reported to Nebuchadnezzar, There are certain Jews whom you've appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you've set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and anger, gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I've set up? Now, if you're ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn and all these other instruments, to fall down and worship the image that I've made very well. I'll give you one more chance. Apparently you didn't hear what I said. Is it true you didn't do what I said? But if you will not worship, you will immediately 
be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? That's the key question. We'll see what God there is that can deliver you out of my hands. I've got this furnace here, and I'll heat it seven times hotter than usual. Well, their answer, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this. You know what? When unbelief comes at you and says, If your God is a God of such and such, you don't even have to answer. (laughs) I don't have to defend God. He can take care of himself. And you don't have to either, and there's comfort in that. I'll tell you, when you know who God is, these guys did. They said, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't even have to answer you about this. And we don't have to today, in one sense. But they went ahead and answered anyway. And I think we should too, in most cases. We should be ready to give an account for the hope that is in us, First Peter 3 says. And so, I don't have to defend God, but it is my privilege, and I think we should state what we know about God. And so they said, verse 17, If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us, what? From the furnace of blazing fire. God is able to keep us from tragedy. And He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. God could do it that way. But even if He doesn't, verse 18, let it be known to you, O King, that we're not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. God can keep us from it. He can keep us out of it. Or if he chooses to put us through it, either way, we're clinging to God, Nebuchadnezzar. We're not going to worship your false gods. Well, then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage, and his facial expression was altered toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He answered by giving orders to heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain valiant warriors who were in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in order to cast them into the furnace of blazing fire. Then these men were tied up in their trousers, their coats, their caps, and their clothes, and they were cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. For this reason, I mean, notice... Because the king's command was urgent and the furnace had been made extremely hot, the flame of the fire slew those men who carried them up there. I mean, this was some trial. The men that were valiant enough to follow the false man's orders found out how much power he had to deliver. But these three men, verse 23, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell into the midst God didn't deliver them out of or from. They fell into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire, still tied up. Maybe you came to Christ and you thought, and you just mistakenly thought, coming to Christ and having Him work for me, He works all things together for good. He'll keep me out of or from. And you found yourself into things you didn't think would come your way. That's where these guys were. been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, God's Unshakable Purpose, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. 
If you don't have a church home in the area, we'd like to invite you to join us for our special Christmas Eve candlelight services. Join us Saturday, December 24th at either 3 or 5 o'clock in the evening for a great time of worship, Christmas music, our kids' choir, and a special Christmas message. It's such a wonderful time of year in celebrating our Savior's birth, and we'd like to share it with you. If you'd like more details, just browse to our website at swbible.org. We hope to see you there. We're excited to report that the Romans Project is expanding rapidly into the countries of India, Nepal, Thailand, and Cambodia. We invite you to click on the link for the Romans Project on the front page of our website at downtownbible.org. There you'll find monthly updates, testimonies, and images from Romans Project outreach around the world. To learn more, navigate to romansproject.org or connect with us at facebook.com slash romansproject. Downtown Bible only remains on the air through the generous contributions of listeners like you. We'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider partnering with us on a regular basis to help us meet our day-to-day expenses. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. Ever since Adam sinned, this world has been messed up. And he just told us that in Romans 8, didn't he? The creation is groaning. We're not happy with the way things are right now. We're awaiting the glory. But in the meantime, we know that God can even cause these things to work together for good and is. And we're awaiting the glory, and He is going to change things around. And He's going to do it in one fell swoop when Jesus Christ gets back. But even now, the Holy Spirit is working. God is providentially orchestrating things so that in the midst of this messed up world, all things are working together for good to those whom He's called out of it. You say, how can He do that? I have no idea, but I know He does. One day we'll see it clearly. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled, God's Unshakable Purpose. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.